I have shared some pretty important questions to ask your students and yourself in regard to resetting classroom routines and your writing block. If you missed those episodes, go back and listen to episode 113 on resetting routines and 114 on resetting your writing block ahead of kicking off the second half of your school year. I love reflecting and resetting when needed, so that is what this series is focusing on. And in the episode today, we are applying the same approach to your reading block. Just like in writing, many times things don't go the way we hope or expect them to, and it's important to look back to the source, which is ourselves, not the children. We have to reflect in order to see at what point can we add, remove, or adjust a key element in order to make things run more smoothly, and be more effective for our learners. If your block is not running smoothly, or if it lacks being as effective as it can be, things do not have to continue that way. So when it comes to your reading block, how is it going? Today's episode is diving into five questions to ask yourself before determining if you need to reset anything within your reading block. I want you to listen closely and do some hardcore look-in-the-mirror reflecting within this area. This episode, just like the past two, are replayed episodes, so if you hear anything that is not timely to the date that this episode is being aired, that is why. But remember that the information shared is still very, very relevant, and it can be applied right now to your current teaching situation. And even if you heard this episode when it originally aired, just like your classroom year to year, I'm sure your students have changed, your routines might have changed, your building might have changed, your grade level might have changed. So for all of those reasons, re-listening to episodes definitely have many, many benefits to it. If you are ready to learn more about resetting your reading block, let's dive in. Welcome to The Literacy Dive, a podcast for teachers who want to take a deeper dive into all things reading and writing. I'm your host, Megan Polk. My number one passion is, you guessed it, all things literacy and supporting teachers like you. Join me each week to learn teacher tips and actionable step-by-step strategies to help you grow as an educator. Are you ready? Let's dive in. I am thrilled that you are tuning in today, where we are going to be diving into resetting guided reading. Resetting parts of the day is absolutely 100% needed sometimes. It is so important to reset only the areas in which a change truly needs to be made or an area where students need the extra challenge or the extra push in order to continue their growth. I hope you were able to catch the last two episodes where I addressed resetting your routine and resetting your writing block. Each episode has five guiding questions to chew on and to do some heavy reflecting. This episode will follow a similar format, so it's going to be really easy for you to keep track of in terms of the questions that are being shared and the action steps that are going to connect with them. The reading block. Like I mentioned a few minutes ago, so many moving pieces. Reading is fundamental and the foundation of all subjects, so let's figure out how we can reset guided reading and your reading block if you find that your students are not quite catching on 
or if your systems are a little bit messy. I am here to help walk you through how you can reset reading, not only for your students, but also for yourself. So the first question that I'm going to leave you with is, how often are your students reading? Now, reading, similar to writing, should be occurring daily. The best way to get better at reading, if you typically struggle with this, is to do it frequently and to do it consistently. Whether the reading comes by way of a guided reading group or independent reading, it should be occurring every single day. This is not only great for decoding skills, for getting better with fluency, for finding opportunities to practice context clue strategies and all of those other tricky reading strategies and skills, but also for our big goal of growing readers who are not only strong in the actual process of reading, but in their comprehension. Daily reading also increases stamina, which then opens up a whole entire realm of reading for your students. So think about how often your kids are reading. They should be reading daily. And so if you are not currently having your students read on a daily basis, this is one area where you might find that you need to reset your reading block. The second part to this is how often are you reading with your students? Now, I mentioned this with the writing, but this same concept works for reading too. Bring your favorite book from home or from guided reading table and enjoy the reading process with your students. When students can see us valuing the art and the practice of reading, they will begin to do the same thing. So get into their world, get lost into your text. When it's time to do any type of reading response, join in that as well. I love doing the activities with the kids because I can participate in the turn and talks with them. I can jump into a think, pair, share, and the kids truly love it. So think about how often you're reading with them. It doesn't have to be every single day, but I would definitely find a couple of minutes where you're at least able to show them that you value the process and that you're doing this with them and it's a team effort. The second question is, how are you teaching reading? So the first part to this is, let me ask you about your mini lessons. Mini lessons are going to be the basis for how you can teach any and all reading skills and strategies that students are expected to know. And the mini lesson, you just need to keep it simple. You need to keep it short. So in order to help your students retain the information, mini lessons need to happen consistently. They should be happening daily and they should be bite size. They should not be overwhelming or packed with too much content. And during your mini lesson, this is your chance to model the reading practices for your students. It is not enough just to state it. They need to see it. And you can do that during this structured and intentional time of the mini lesson. This is such a valuable and important time, so do not skip this part of the block. And if you're finding that you're really not doing mini lessons, or maybe your mini lessons are way too long, this is going to be a part that you are going to want to reset. The second part into teaching reading is mentor text. Are you using them? Your read aloud is golden for this. The text that you pull in reference to teach reading skills will probably come from a mentor text. So be purposeful in those. Find text and read alouds that lend themselves well to teaching the strategies that you want your students to know and that can really highlight certain reading skills that you're wanting your kids to internalize. Once you identify text and what skills they're great to show, add a sticky note to the back of that book or add it into the inside front flap. 
Code it with the reading skills or strategies that are heavily present within that book. This is going to make it really easy for you in future to grab text for reteach or for the next school year. So work smarter up front to categorize your text examples. Seeing actual written text from books, magazines, articles, student writing, passages, all of those different forms of mediums are great to use during your mini lesson. It provides moments where visuals are valued and intentional, and readers have to see text in action. Did you know that you can use your mentor text to practice fluency as well? You can. And so use these mentor texts to teach students how text should sound based on how it looks. These moments are precious for your students, and so mentor texts are readily available for you, so use them to your advantage. Another key part of how are you teaching reading comes with the reading process. Are you teaching the reading process, the actual process of reading, or are you just settling for students grabbing any book they see, sitting at their seats quietly for 40 minutes, and making sure that they're leaving you alone so you can pull your small group? If you are not teaching the actual process of reading, or if you've never really dove into the reading process with your students, then this is going to be one area that you can absolutely reset and you can start as soon as this week. Your students have to be taught what readers do while they're reading. This is where reading strategies come into place. So for example, I would want to ask my students, like, what happens when we get to a word that we don't know? We surely don't skip it. Well, we can use our strategies, our context clues to try to figure out what does this word mean? What happens when we're confused? Well, we don't keep on reading. We have to stop and we have to reread that text and we have to think about what could this actually mean? What happens when the author didn't state something directly? Well, we don't gloss over it and just act like it wasn't written. We have to do a little bit of work and we have to try to read in between the lines to figure out what was really stated. So teachers, it is not too late to reset this part of your block. This part is really, really important. So if you've not placed an emphasis on the actual reading process, there is still time left in this school year to restart this and hold your students accountable for being the strongest readers possible. And the last little section that I want to offer to you within this teaching is teaching by genre. Be sure to take time to walk through different genres and identify the characteristics that make that text a biography or a realistic fiction versus just fiction, or what makes that text a fairy tale, what makes that text historical fiction, and examples like that. When you can focus on genre and features of each one and actually spend some time on it besides bouncing back and forth, playing ping pong between genres, your students are going to become stronger readers and they're going to know how to tackle any form of fiction or nonfiction text. They're going to understand how to read it, and that is going to transfer over into their writing. So take the time to teach genres to make sure that you're really going deep into the meat, into the structure, and allow your students to have that opportunity and experience with it. And if they can master this, this is going to almost guarantee that your students are going to leave way stronger than what they entered in with. 
I want to take a moment to introduce you to Writing Made Simple. This is a membership site that will bring you engaging writing routines that will get your students on board and pumped about writing. These routines are designed to be quick and simple meaning very little to no prep for you. I'm giving you everything that you need. Video walkthroughs, easy lesson plans, detailed exemplars, printable templates, and engaging animated writing routine slides. Your students are going to go from feeling bored and disengaged to feeling eager and curious. It's through the small intentional chunks of time where you can allow writing to be a powerful practice. Implementing fun routines that disguise writing is the name to the game. To learn more about how you can become a member, head to theliteracydive.com slash join. I cannot wait to support you and your writers. The third question to consider when you're thinking about resetting your reading block, resetting guided reading is, What supports do your students have for reading? Now, just like with writing, students need scaffolds. This could be sentence stems and starters, guided questions or reminders, visuals to help trigger the reading skill, and what's being asked of students in relation to it. This is helpful to make practices become concrete. Students are going to abandon what they no longer need, so you don't have to worry about that. If they have internalized and they have mastered something, they are not going to waste the time to go flip through and pull from an example that you gave them. They're just going to naturally do it. So don't be afraid that giving them resources is going to stunt their growth. It will actually do the opposite by propelling them upward. Then let's talk about interactive reading notebooks or interactive reading journals. Do you have these? If you're not using these, this is an excellent implementation to begin. Students need a place where they can write their responses to their reading, where they can store their reference materials, and where they can hold onto their reading activities. I mentioned this in the last episode, but I love placing mini anchor charts into student notebooks, and I love creating several mini little resource rings that can become portable to move around the room. When students need assistance and they don't want to dig for their notebook, they can just go and readily access those materials and take it with them to wherever they are working. I will do this with any subject that my students can benefit from. I shared my writing favorites in the show notes of the last episode, so in this episode, I'm going to link to some of my favorite references and activities for reading. I have found that students truly do improve when they can refer back to examples and reading skills, so make sure that this is available to them. Question number four, how are you providing feedback to your students? Before I go into some different ways that you can get feedback from your students, I want to remind you that guided reading groups should be pulled consistently, and while that's happening, independent reading should be happening simultaneously. You can also have literacy centers occurring if students do not have the stamina to read for that whole amount of time. So you really have to think about your students and think about their needs, or you need to think about what are your students needing as a whole to determine should you have part independent reading and part literacy center time. The whole idea is that your students that are not with you at the guided reading table are independently working on their skills. And so I want to offer to you 
that there are a couple of ways that you can truly make this work and that you can provide feedback to your students during these times. So I want to ask you, are you checking in with your students routinely? Because this is how you are going to keep focused attention on your students and will be able to pay close attention to their reading behaviors, and you're going to be able to intervene way quicker if you know what your students are doing, and the only way you're going to know that is if you will have a routine and a system to keep track of what's happening. So keep anecdotal notes in a data folder, or you could even use a plain notebook for this. I've used several different systems. So figure out your system and stick with it. I love tracking actions, behaviors, glows and grows on sticky notes. So I personally have used a sticky note data tracker that is conducive for holding all of my mini sticky notes. But when I use a sticky note, that is designed to be a real quick observation or to include a real quick summary. And so I'm more inclined to reach more of my students because my brain is telling me you need to focus in on one or two specific things that you're noticing. And that's going to allow me to know that I have additional time where I can follow up or circle back with other kids as well. Another way to consistently check in with students is by taking running records. Now, conducting running records is important. And I know when I say that, you might be thinking, oh, running records. The frequency of these documents have been up for a debate for some time now, but I truly think that the best approach is to gather running record data once per week or biweekly at minimum. If you have never made taking running records as a part of your routine, I would reset your guided reading time and include these into it. I have a running records freebie for you, as well as a free guided reading cheat sheet, because coding is going to help you quickly identify reading behaviors, progression, and the next steps to take into becoming a stronger reader. When you have the data, you can provide meaningful feedback to students, and you can also help them with goal setting. It also makes it really easy to talk with parents and talk to administration, especially if your student is not showing the growth that you want. If you do not have any data consistently on what's been happening week to week, it's going to be really hard to show that you've been providing this instruction to your students and that the reason why they're not growing is not due to a lack of your instruction. So running records are definitely something that needs to be happening at the guided reading table. And if you're not doing them, this is probably the one thing I would tell you to do in terms of a reset so that you can be able to know what's going on with your students and make the best choices for them. And that brings us to helping your students setting reading goals and focuses. When your students have goals, they know what to work on and you know what to coach them on. Not all kids need the same thing, and I think that we have to step away from what is easy, which is assuming that all kids need to be at the same place at the same time and have the same goals, and take a more individualistic approach and take the step to begin the process of learning your readers individually and offer feedback and actionable steps to help advance and grow them as a reader. So far, our key questions for you to ask yourself and to reflect upon before thinking about resetting your reading block are, how often are your students reading? How are you teaching reading? What supports do your students have for reading? And how are you providing feedback to your students? 
So now we're moving on to question five, which is one of my favorite parts of this episode, just like the previous episode. And that is how are you making reading fun for your students? I am going to share some sub questions that I just want to ask you and I want you to really think about. Are you allowing for student choice? Is your classroom library reflective of a variety of genres? Take a quick reading inventory with your students. Now that kids have had half of the year to get familiar with different texts and different genres, ask them for their top three favorite book titles or favorite genres. Pass out sticky notes or index cards to collect that data and intentionally reform your classroom library so that it can include what your students are enjoying. Think about book explorations. Lay out books and let kids randomly pick them. Browse through them. Read the summary on the back of them. Look at the pictures and quickly explore the text for enjoyment. At the end of 7 to 10 minutes, they can choose to keep the book for further reading or they can return it to the stack and try to pick a new book the next time you have a book exploration moment. Reading choice boards. I have a freebie for you that will give your students a lot of choice when it comes to responding to their reading. When telling a student they have to respond to a certain question, you may experience pushback, but when they have the power to choose, it can make all the difference. The link to these free literacy choice boards will be in the show notes for you, so make sure that you head to the show notes at the end of this episode and grab them. And then think about your environment. Are you allowing your students to read in different locations? Sometimes kids just need a change of pace and a change from the norm. So giving them the opportunity to read in a special place or anywhere aside from their standard seat will bring reading joy into your classroom. Do you offer time to read special reading topics? Think seasonal or anything interesting. Bring in science or current events in magazines into the classroom. Kids love these types of topics in forms of media, so if you're encouraging a new reading experience for them by using these different tools, You're going to bring the joy and the fun into reading, and your kids are going to be able to practice all of their skills in this really, really enjoyable way. Do you have time set aside to just read for fun with no strings attached? Plain and simple, do you? This alone will change the culture of how kids view reading. Some kids have only had the experiences where they read with some type of correction or grade being attached to it. Now, I always loved DEAR, the D-E-A-R, Drop Everything and Read time, because that time truly encourages a love and appreciation for reading, and there is time carved out for it. One of the schools that I worked at had DEAR time every single day. At 2.05, the principal would come onto the announcements and announce that it was DEAR time, and no matter what you were doing, everyone stopped and grabbed their preference of book or whatever they wanted to read, magazine, comic, whatever. And this was not just for the students, this was for teachers too. So this was so much fun because everyone literally would grab their preference of what they wanted to enjoy. And we were given 10 whole minutes to just read. We loved it, but it got even better because for two months, December and May, which are low traffic times before winter break and summer break, the principal would randomly select Dear Time. So no matter what subject or enrichment special class you were in, you got to stop and grab something to read. It was unpredictable, it was unannounced, and it hyped up the kids like no other. 
So that kind of let me know that when I change schools, I could be able to embed that same practice and structure into my classroom. So you could totally try something like this within your class or within your grade level. Maybe you don't want to do it every day, but you can maybe find one time in the week where you randomly say, it's dear time, and kids can stop what they're doing, go grab their text, they can sit where they want, and they can just enjoy the action of reading. The next little sub-question, have you tried assigning reading buddies? Now, reading buddies are great to provide a level of support. And I know that when you hear reading buddies, typically we would go from one grade level to a lower grade level and we would pair up. But reading buddies can be in your classroom with students of the same grade level and they are using each other as a support. Let reading buddies sit next to each other and allow them to pair up and assist each other as needed. You're going to find that this is actually going to free you up from being bombarded with questions. And that's going to strengthen your young readers as well by having to be the teacher and help each other versus them running to you for that assistance. So this is great to implement while you're pulling guided reading groups because this is going to make it to where you have no more interruptions and kids don't have to sit confused and stuck, which is going to result in frustration and it's going to result in them not liking to read. Your buddies can also read together sometimes, and they can be reading response partners as well. I love having them do partner reading responses together, and I'm going to link to the sheets that I like to use in the show notes, but this is a great way to provide reading fun for your students. They're still focused on skill. They're still using all of their abilities, but they're just doing it with a partner, which makes this time really, really fun. We have come to the end of the episode, and I have mentioned a lot of content in this episode, but luckily, you can pause this at any time. You can always come back to it and listen to it again when you're ready to reset these certain areas. Everything I referenced from freebies to my favorite guided reading activities will be in the show notes for you. They're there for quick access, so definitely click through and take a look at everything that I've mentioned. Literally anything I went into detail about and mentioned can be found in the show notes. So head there, click through to anything that might be of interest to you. If you found this episode useful, would you share this with a friend? I know there are teachers around the world that could use a reset right now, and I want to help as many teachers as I can. I love this podcast. I love bringing you literacy topics every single week. And I know that there's many, many teachers who could benefit from listening too. So if you could take the opportunity to share this, that would mean so, so much to me. Thank you so much for listening and sharing it out. I would also love it if you would leave a rating and a feedback review because these reviews really do get read by teachers and it's going to help them as they're scrolling through to know at first glance if this is a podcast for them they'll be able to get an idea of how these ideas and the tips and the strategies shared can positively impact them. So if you've not left a review, I would really, really appreciate it if you could do that. Next week, we are going to dive deep into resetting our relationships with parents. So be sure to join me next week as we go deep into how you can support your students by way of supporting their grown-up. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Come hang out with me over on Instagram at The Literacy Dive. I would love to hear from you in my DMs. 
If you are enjoying this podcast, be sure to hit that follow button and share this with a friend. I'll catch you in the next episode.